Hello, I'm John Ellis, and welcome to episode 69 of Petodri PS, the predominantly Dons-based podcast featuring not just the Dons' first team, but a look across the age groups and genders at the club. And we focus on the respective progress of Cove and Peterhead too, as well as the Northeast local representatives in the Highland League and juniors. And not just football, but any sport making headlines in the Northeast of Scotland, or featuring someone from the Northeast of Scotland. Join me for this journey, as always, Dick McDermott and Andrew Shiny. So here we are recording this episode on the morning of Tuesday, February 14th, 2023, Valentine's Day, spent thinking fondly of the one we love the Dawns. And in due course, we'll look at our next game a little on the 18th at Celtic Park. We didn't have one this previous weekend because it was a Scottish Cup weekend and la 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 la. Before we preview the next one, let's cast our eye back over the weekend and the big talking point coming off the field, supervising all matters on and off it with the arrival of Alan Burrows as CEO, widely acknowledged as a savvy appointment, Andrew. What, what exactly do you think it will mean for the club? At this moment, it's it's a wee bit difficult to work out what it'll mean for the club, but what you would hope it means is that um, we've got somebody very hands-on uh, who wants to get involved in all areas of, of the operation, this side of the pond, as opposed to Dave Cormack trying to manage things from over another side of the Atlantic. I'm quite sure Dave won't take a complete step back. Um, he will still be involved in shaping strategies, et cetera, et cetera. But I think um, having somebody like Alan Burrows in there on the ground can only be a good thing for the football club moving forward. I mean, Dave and I have known Alan for probably the 15 years that he's been involved with Motherwell. He started out um, running a, a fan's website used his own money to get himself across to Austria, I think it was, where I believe it was Mark McGee was um, in charge at the time, was taking the team for pre-season training. And in order to keep the Motherwell fan base who listened, got their information from his website, Alan went across there, reported on what was going on. And Mark McGee thought, you know, this is a good communicator. Um, get him involved with the club. So he kind of started off right at the, the grassroots level, but... All the way through, he's been a fervent fan of, of Motherwell. At times, maybe the fan took over from the administrator and the chief exec at times um, because Alan was almost out there kicking every ball with the team and, and you know, querying every refereeing decision. And I'm not quite sure what the professional coaching staff thought when they sort of looked to their left or right and here's this big guy with a coat on and the Motherwell scarf wrapped around his neck you know, shouting and bellowing from the sidelines, like, oh, well, it's, a, it's our boss, so we can't really say too much. But <laughs> but no, he's, he's a good guy, Alan Burrows. Um, his heart is very definitely in the right place. He's done a hell of a lot of good work for, for Motherwell in integrating the club into the community, which sounds an easy job to do, but it's not when you're in the central belt, when, you know, we've seen it. Time and again, when we've gone to away games, you go to places like Falkirk, um, to Livingston, to, to Motherwell, to Hamilton, etc. And all you see is a steady stream of buses heading towards either Celtic Park or Ibrox to cheer on, which either one of the, the big two are at home. And it's a hard job getting your club um, involved really in the heart of your community. But I think... Dave would agree. Alan managed to do that and all credit to him. So I think he will bring a lot of good ideas to the table that not necessarily change the wheel, but can certainly add to what is already going on at Aberdeen Football Club. 
He takes up the post on, on February 27th, uh, sensibly announcing the appointment after Motherwell, uh, and possibly even more sensibly after Celtic. But I'm going to guess he'll be there at Pataudry for Aberdeen versus Livington, uh, Livingston on Saturday 25th. What do you reckon? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would imagine that if he, cause, because he starts on the Monday, he'll be up, you know, getting himself settled in over the weekend. So uh, I think there's no doubt that he will be at that game on the 25th. And like, like Andrew, uh, I, you know, just endorse what Andrew said. He's a very good appointment, a good football man. Uh, one funny story was that uh, Craig and Archie, when they, they took over Motherwell, they thought that Alan Craig it was, not Archie, thought Alan was too scruffy. So he organised his first club suit and tie for, for, for <laughs> Alan. It was really chuffed. But uh, again, it just emphasises how he came in right at the bottom and worked his, worked his way up. So, And of course, took over the the CEO role from Leanne Dempster in 2014, 15, something like that, and uh, has been there ever since. So, no, wish him well and uh, a good guy. It's interesting, um, Andrew, you know, when you see a guy who is so, you know, grew up with the club and and so intertwined with, with Motherwell, why he'd leave? Maybe he felt he's gone as far as he can. It is a fan-owned club, Motherwell now, and maybe he, he felt he'd hit some kind of glass ceiling that he just couldn't punch his way through. It may be the case that the feelers were put out a little while back from various clubs because um, Alan is well-respected um, throughout Scottish football. I don't think it was just Aberdeen that were interested in taking him on, but... Um, he did make the announcement a few weeks back that he was going to be stepping away from Motherwell. And I don't think it's a huge coincidence that he's come to Aberdeen off the back of what Dave Cormack was saying, that you know he always had the intention of bringing in a CEO, but the pandemic got in, in the way, as it has done in, in the way of so many things in, in the game. But I think maybe he just felt it was the right time. I think it was nine years he was chief exec at, at Motherwell and he maybe felt it was the right time for a challenge to go to a bigger club, which undoubtedly Aberdeen is, uh, with all due respect to Motherwell. As Dave said, a good appointment, well-respected guy in the Scottish game, knows the Scottish game inside out, and that's so important. Everybody knows who Alan Burrows is possibly more than people would know who Dave Cormack was when, when Dave took mm. over as chairman of Aberdeen. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how much power he gets. Um, but you can rest assured that anytime you're in at Pataudry, John, you will see Alan Burrows um, because he will dot around and make himself known to absolutely everybody there and want to know what everybody's doing and will offer advice. Um, won't be, you know, coming in and saying, well, you're going to change that, you're going to do that, you're going to do that. But he'll offer advice and offer ideas as to how things can be made better, um, hopefully. It, it sometimes needs somebody fresh to come in and just look at the whole operation and say, yeah, you're doing that well, but how about a wee tweak here and a wee tweak there and maybe just make it even better than, than you think it is. You may think that you're running the perfect machine, but there's always somebody that can add just that drop of oil to make it run a little bit smoother. I've always liked this, uh, and I just looked it up while you were speaking there, Andrew, Motherwell FC's um, Twitter account. In their little bio, it says, we exist to improve people's lives. And uh, I, I've always thought, you know, the, the, that's that's part of the... For us, it would be through the community trust, but that's what their football team was 
to their locality. And I think that's partially what you've been talking about. Was now a, a pivotal time to bring Alan in, uh, Dave, in terms of appointing a new manager at the club? Yeah, it probably was. I mean, I think the one slight reservation is that Alan, by definition of the size of Motherwell, has been used to being very hands-on, getting involved in micromanaging, a bit like the way Dave has. But that's because there was no one else to do the job. But mm. I think he's, he's, and I'm sure he does appreciate that Aberdeen is a, a far bigger club and there will be people to do jobs, you know, that, that uh, they're best best suited for. You know, because I think otherwise he does run the risk of alienating a few individuals if he if he just goes in. But I'm I'm pretty sure, as I say, that he'll he'll take advice beforehand about uh, about the club um, from not just from from the chairman, I'm sure, but from others that he knows because he knows quite a few of the the the, the club guys um, and has done. You know, as as Andrew said, almost since he he started with with Motherwell. But uh, no, it's uh, it, in terms of timing. Yeah, I think it's, it's right. Um, there's been a lot of stick being dished around, some of it, I believe, unfairly, uh, behind the scenes in, in recent weeks. So I just hope that uh, we can now get the appointment, get the manager's appointment sorted, whenever that may be. And I don't think it is a bad thing that it's left till the summer, as long as we still continue to uh, play well and uh, stay in contention at the right end of the league. There's never an ideal time, but I think the timing probably is quite good right at this minute moment. How much say do you, do you think he'll have, Andrew? I mean, Dave's just mentioned there that Alan would have had to, had to do everything pretty much at, at Motherwell. You know, probably going in an off day and, and painting some some of the change rooms as well, for all we know. But how much faith and trust will Dave Cormack have in him enough to feel the urge not to micromanage himself every aspect of the club? Because of the, the geographical distance between Atlanta and Aberdeen, Dave cannot do all the jobs. You cannot get Dave Cormack in to paint the walls. But uh, I do think that um, to have taken in a chief executive, you've, you've got to give him a bit of free reign, obviously within parameters. Um, but I think um, the thing to do would be to say to Alan, right, go in, have a right look at the, the whole operation and come back to me with your ideas of what we're doing right and what we can do better. And if there's things that we're doing wrong, then, yeah, cut that out because we don't want things being done wrong at any level in any part of the operation. So um, I think he's Dave has got to um, put a lot of trust in Alan. He's got a track record um, without any question. But on the other side, Alan is probably going to have to learn how to delegate because, as you say, he's probably done virtually every job that there is at Motherwell, bar playing. You look at Alan and you can see, no, there's no football player there. Um, with all due respect to Alan, um, I'm sure you'd have a laugh at hearing that. But um, uh, no, I think um, Alan is going to have people in places that he operated in at Fir Park that he doesn't need to operate in at Pataudry. So um, it's it's going to be an interesting transition period. And I think the, the whole rest of this season is going to be a learning curve for both Alan Burrows, for Dave Cormack, for others at the football club and, you know, out in the pitch as well. So it's going to be an interesting period between now and the end of the season, looking at the football club as a whole. 
Tomatoes on the field, Barry and, uh, and Steve Agnew have been continuing their work on the grass with the squad, trying to build a game plan to face Celtic at Celtic Park. How, how do you think they'll go about that, Dave? Difficult to say. I mean, I think it, we've shown good signs in the last couple of games, uh, albeit the first one we, we didn't get the right result. They have had a couple of weeks to, to concentrate. I mean, I think they'll probably keep it fairly tight early on, try and get the first 20 minutes, as you do, out the way when you're on the road against a, a team like Celtic. And then probably, I would imagine, try and get them on the counter-attack. But I would I would hope that we'd still have both Miofsky and, and Duke involved from, from the start because we have seen that when when we've got the two-pronged attack, uh, when they're, when they're on form, they can be they can be pretty lethal. So, I was I would I would hope that would be the way that uh, Barry and Steve will go about it. But obviously, we won't find out until three o'clock on Saturday afternoon. Is it as much about giving a good account of ourselves, trying to be combative and, and, and present in the game, playing a part in it, Andrew, as opposed to that back to the wall plan for the ninety? I think you've you've got to try and put some sort of stamp on on the game rather than just sit back and park the bus, as it were, because Celtic are so relentless that if you try doing that, they will break you down. There's no getting away from it. You've, you've got to make sure that they have to think about what Aberdeen are doing, as opposed to just, well, we're going to have 99% possession of the ball, and it's just a case of when we score and how many we score. I don't think Barry Robson's the type that that likes to park the bus at all. So I, I think he's not going to go there gung-ho. Uh, you're not going to find that Aberdeen play with two at the back, two in the middle of the park and six up top. They're not going to go crazy there. But I think they will be looking to the outlets of Duke in particular with Mayofsky up alongside him to try and, and get something. Um, it will be a massive achievement if they can come away from Celtic Park with anything, to be perfectly honest, because um, Celtic have been virtually invincible on their home patch. And the only thing that I would say is Celtic recently have been a little bit sluggish at the start of games. You saw on Saturday against St Mirren, it was 1-0 at halftime. It ended up being 5-1, albeit there was a red card thrown in there that sort of accentuated the gulf between the two teams. Um, but I think you saw St Mirren had a go at Celtic and, you know, had a, a few moments, but weren't able to, to really lay a glove on Celtic over the 90 minutes. But you can't go 70 minutes at Celtic Park and holding them at nothing each and think, great, that's the job done. Because in the last 20 minutes, Celtic seem to get stronger and stronger. And they've got such strength and depth that you know, they could change five players and there's no weakening of the team. Indeed, at times there's a strengthening of the team when they bring on substitutes. So you've got to play for the full 90, 95, 100 minutes, whatever length of time the game is, and be at your absolute best if you're going to get anything from there. Yeah, at least if uh, if we go down trying to make a match of it the right way, Barry and Steve could take some positives from that, Dave, and, and carry some momentum forward to the arguably bigger game for us the following weekend against Livingston. Yeah, arguably it is. And also, Barry in particular, and Steve, I'm sure will also be trying to impress the board that they are the right men for the job full time. So, you know, it is important that uh, we, we we don't 
do ourselves a disservice down at Celtic Park, but the Livingston game a week on Saturday is huge, a huge one for us. It's one that uh, you know they're going well, they're ahead of us. We, we need to to cut that to cut that gap down on them. They've shown that although they're in good form, they they were pretty well beaten by Cali in the Scottish Cup at the weekend. Mm. So. But, but it is a, a huge win, but it's one that the fans will be expecting us to take the three points from. OK, uh, we passed over this last week because you didn't want to give a negative answer then. And also there's the added pressure of remembering what you said from one week to the next. So this time for the score predictor for Celtic versus Aberdeen, Andrew. Oh, thanks for going first. <laughs> <laughs> 2 1 to Celtic. A brave defeat, but I can't I can't see us getting anything because they are absolutely relentless. And Dave. I hope I am totally wrong, but I think it'll be a high-scoring game, 3-2 Celtic. <laughs> you go for 3-0 Aberdeen, John. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just, uh, it's just the way we were speaking about the game. I was sitting there thinking, Crikey, Craig, Craig Brown's right, cautiously optimistic. It's, it's well, like, Duncan Cheater in the paper today says he won't be surprised if Aberdeen get, get a, a victory on Saturday. Really? Mm-hmm. I think you'll be the only one. <laughs> must be something in that Highland air. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll take us for a 1-1 draw. That's, that, that'll do. Let's move on to the under-18s next, Andrew. They've had their ups and downs against uh, Hamilton Aki's at this level this year. And whatever happens in these games, there are usually a lot of goals. Most recently, Aki's knocked us out the Scottish Cup. Thursday of last week, we travelled to face them on their own turf in the league. Our one remaining option of silverware this season, how did that go? I think we said it last week. We said, you know, we've beaten them 6-0. They've beaten us 6-2 and 5-2. So we'll probably go down there and win 5-0. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> um, it was 5-0 to the Dons, an outstanding performance. And uh, another hat-trick, this time for Lewis Perry. Your three main strikers, really. Uh, Liam Harvey, Alfie Bavage, and uh, Lewis Perry all have scored hat-tricks this season. Bavage weighed in with another two goals, takes his tally for the season to 28, which Letting is himself astonishing. Down with oh, yeah, yeah. Well, he, he likes to share <laughs> them around a wee bit now, so a great win. But um, they've now got Celtic at Cormac Park, five, five o'clock on Friday evening, which is a bit unfortunate. It was supposed to be two o'clock, and I thought, oh, that fits in really nicely because Dave and I are going to play a pie and a pint at the Lemon Tree uh, at six o'clock on, on Friday, and I thought two o'clock kickoff that fits in just perfectly. Mm. And then I got the message yesterday: no, it's been changed to five o'clock. So mm. I'm afraid the young dons will have to take a back seat in my social world. You can check at half time, surely. I mean, you can just like you know check your phone in the in the interim in the in the. Well, I'll I'll, I'll be checking with um, young Logan Henry, who's doing the reports for the under-18s. Right. Uh, I'll be making sure that he keeps me posted as to how the game's going. But uh, now it's a big game against Celtic because Celtic, top of the league, even though the Dons have got games in hand, because they drew with Hearts a couple of weeks ago, they can't catch Celtic, even though they win all their games in hand. So obviously this game becomes crucially important. Now, Alfie Babbage is away with Scotland's under-17s at the moment. Yeah. Um, now, I'm not sure whether he gets back into this country in time for that game on Friday, but if he's not there, he will be a big miss, but Lewis Perry will be full of confidence having scored that hat-trick last week. It will be a great game of football, that one, because they're, they're two good sides. 
Aberdeen, remember, they were 5-1 down against Celtic not too many weeks ago, got it back to 5-4, missed a penalty, hit the bar, had one cleared off the line. So once again, I think you're going to see goals. If it finishes 0-0 like the Hearts game, I, for one, will be absolutely astounded. Mm. Massive game for the Dons this week. I've got to mention the job that Stuart Duff and Robbie Hederman are doing because obviously with Barry and Scott Anderson on first-team duties at the moment, we needed somebody to step in and cover them at under-18 level, and Stuart and Robbie have done a terrific job. So, And another one who is deserving of a mention, blessing Oloyemi, the goalkeeper. Although they won 5-0 at Hamilton, I saw footage of a save that he made in that game. Absolutely top drawer. If you go into Blessing's Instagram account, it's on there. And it's a, an absolutely superb save from a header. So he is he's kept two clean sheets in the trot under Robbie and, and Stuart. And if he can keep that going, because that's where the Dons, young Dons have let themselves down a wee bit this season. When they concede goals, they concede rafts of goals. Mm. And they score loads, but sometimes they concede loads. But Blessing has done a sterling job in goal the last couple of games. And uh, long may that continue. Now, I, I, I'm assuming this is still the case. Usually at Cormac Park, these games are free to to go along. Absolutely, see, yeah. yeah. So Cormac Park Friday, five o'clock, Aberdeen versus Celtic. Now, to Aberdeen women making tentative forward steps again in their progress, defeats, but more positive showings against both Rangers and Celtic in recent weeks ahead of a home tie at Balmore to face Dundee United, where we felt more confident about the outcome. Dave, how did that go? Not too well, I'm afraid. Say a two-one defeat. A late goal, nothing more than a consolation. And certainly Gavin uh, Levy was saying afterwards that he, he thought it was a very poor performance from the girls. So, you know, a bit of a kick in the teeth after the, the mm. good uh, showings of the previous weeks and good performances. But, uh, you know, just dust themselves down. And then, well, obviously they went again on, on Sunday. Yeah, Sunday it was Scottish Cup action away to Glasgow City. What we like to call on this show the proverbial free hit. That one finished 5-0 to the home side, unfortunately. And as the scheduling gods would have it, Dave, our next fixture is League One against Glasgow City on Sunday 26. That one at home, at least. Are we expecting more from that? I would think so. I mean, the, the game on Sunday, they, they held... You know, there was a, quite a few late goals because it was, say, uh, I think it was three late on for... The, the home side, so that'll have given them some encouragement, and being at home they'll, they'll at least be hoping to put up a show, and there'll be a, a decent crowd behind them as well, so you know, and a, the short answer is definitely yes. Cove Rangers next, uh, Paul Hartley finally took his team to an away win at Partick Thistle last time out. This weekend past, they managed to fit in a, a rescheduled rescheduled fixture against Dundee at Dens. We said before this one, Dave, that Dundee have a habit of blowing hot and cold. Uh, it ended 3-0 Dundee. I'm guessing this was one where they blew hot. Very close first half, but in the second half, Dundee were too strong for, for Cove, unfortunately. And uh, again, it's a it's a disappointing both result and the scoreline in the end was disappointing for Cove. But it was, you know, it doesn't change things at the at the bottom in terms of the, the gap, obviously. Uh, but what they'd have liked to have done was uh, close the gap on the sides above them, but, but it wasn't to be. But... Uh, you know, I still think Cove have enough to make sure that they, they are still in the Championship next season, not by virtue of coming through the very difficult playoffs. 
Mm. Uh, of course, arguably, again, the bigger game for them coming this weekend when Cove welcome our both a win. And, uh, you know, barring any disastrous slump between now and the end of the season, you'd expect them to consolidate that championship uh, credentials for next year, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, it's a six-pointer, the proverbial this this weekend. And uh, our both, you know, they've shown signs of some of the, the form that they, they demonstrated last year. But... Unfortunately, it's only been for them. It's been in fits and starts. So, Coval fans their chances, and I think there'll be a, a, a good crowd without Aberdeen away down at Celtic Park. There'll be a good crowd there for uh, for that one, and uh, get right behind Cove and hopefully to the three points. As you say, John would not clinch the, or, but it would certainly consolidate their their championship uh, survival for next season. Put ahead next in the tiny two-team league till the end of the season, the object to remain in contention for a playoff. They won a really important match against rivals Clyde a few weeks back, and that's who they face again this coming weekend, only away from home. Two questions in this one, Andrew. One, how much will knowing they can beat Clyde help Peter Head on this trip away? And two, is this game another must-win? Yes, to the second question, and yes to the first question. I think having the knowledge of being able to beat Clyde um, will be still fresh in the minds of the Peterheads players, and they just simply have to win because uh, their goal difference is so inferior to Clyde's that on if they finish level in points, Peterhead will be relegated. Mm. Simple as that. So they've got to get their heads, uh, uh, their noses in front. Got heads, bodies, the entire the whole jing bang in front of, of Clyde um, before the end of the season. But um, I was just looking at um, you know the, the reasons why Peterhead have had such a dire season. Continuity of selection has been a problem. Lack of goals has been a problem. And when you dig a wee bit deeper, you find they've used 43 players in the league this season. 43 players, that's almost four entire teams uh, worth of players. So there's been no continuity of selection. And in terms of goals, in 30 games in all competitions, they've only scored 12 goals. Conor O'Keefe is the top scorer with three Kieran Shanks just in the door. Max Gillis and Jason Brown have got two goals each. So there's nine of the 12 goals amongst four players. And, you know, they've conceded 76. They've only won two games out of 30. It really has been an awful season for them, but there is still that glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel that they can get themselves into the playoffs. So it's all to play for um, against Clyde this weekend. And that knowledge that... They beat them recently, has got to sustain Davy Robertson's side. And I'm sure it will be something that is mentioned in the team talk. You know, you've beaten them before, go out there, beat them again. Yeah, I mean, as you say, two wins all season, but that most recent win was against Clyde. And, and that's the thing that I, I think they'll probably try and hang on to, as you say. Now, on to the Highland League. Uh, results from Saturday's round of matches ending like this. Bucky Thistle, three. Keith, nil. Inverurie Locos, four. Strasbury Thistle, nil. Bro Rangers nil, Fraserburgh one, Devonvale two, Tariff United nil, for Martin United four, Clach nil, Forest Mechanics one, Banks of D two, Huntley two, Lossiemouth one, Nairn County nil, Brecon City nil, and Rothers two, Wick Academy 
two. And those results left the table like this. Bucky now with a two-point lead at the top following that rare slip from breaking, drawing nil-nil with Nairn County. They do still have those two games in hand, though, over the league leaders. Uh, Fraser will move up to third after their win over Brora. And for Marty United, slip into fourth with Brora dropping to fifth in the juniors, Dave. Well, in the Friday night football, it finished in the Premier League. Dice won, Cooter three. So Cooter are now eight points clear at the top of the table. On the Saturday games, Dufftown won at Colony Park nil. That was Dufftown's first league win of the season. So they move off the bottom. Bankery taking their place. Ellen won, East End four. Montrose Rosley two, Bankery nil. Stonywood Parkville four, near St. Linnean one. In the Championship, Aberdeen Uni one, Forest Thistle six, Banks DJFC two, Lossiemouth United two, Buckinghaven Hearts two, Longside two, Burkhead Thistle one, Newmarket United two, Cruden Bay one, Fraserburgh United three, New Elgin two, Sunnybank three, which means that Sunnybank are still top on goal difference uh, from Fraserburgh United. It was also the Quest Engineering third round tie, Quarterfinal ties, quarterfinal places up for grabs. Carnoustie Panmuir 3, Bridget on Thistle 2. That game, Phil Maguire is the Carnoustie manager and uh, the police were called after a rammy during the game and there was an arrest. So it was just a typical Ayrshire-like <laughs> junior game. Dundee Violet 3, Glentanner 3. And well done to Glentanner. They went through 5-3 on penalty kicks. Uh, Hermes 2, Kerry Thistle 0. And uh, in fact, in the quarterfinal draw, Hermes are at home to Glentanner, which means that we'll have one team guaranteed in the semi-finals. Lockheed Harp 2, Rothy Rovers 1, Maud 0, Downfield 1, Stonehaven 0, Dundee North End 3, and Dundee North End are co-managed by Kevin McNaughton, another ex-Don, and they've been drawn against uh, the winners of the tie that takes place this weekend. And it's Brotty Athletic 6, Isle of Vale 0, and the uh, Whilst your child, I'll just actually check who the tie is this weekend because I've absolutely forgotten the one tie that we haven't played in that uh, in that uh, last sixteen. Sorry about this, guys. That's all right. Another. <laughs> I tell you, I tell you, I tell you what, Andrew. While Steve does that. <laughs> Rather than me reach for another edit button, why don't you it's tell me Sunny about... Sunny Bank against <laughs> Dundee East Craigie. Oh, well done, Dave. Well done. Right, okay. <laughs> and is, it, is that you done in the juniors? It is. May, may I, right. May I mention one of your uh, your other podcasts now? Yeah, uh, Red Rewind um, Series 3 will be kicking off on the 13th of March, I believe it is, Dave. Yeah, um, and then we'll it's... thereafter. A 10-week uh, run where it's just the two of us, the Waldorf and Stadler of <laughs> AFC Broadcasting, um, get their heads together and talk about the best of times, the worst of times, the managers. Um, this is all people that we've worked with right. it's during our, our time uh, at, at Petardry, which stretches back. 30-plus years, it has to be said. Um, so we, we are delving back into just past the glory years you know we're, yeah, yeah. we're, we're in the shadow of Fergie's year, <laughs> era unfortunately so um, another way of looking at the odd bright lights but another, not too many of them another way of looking at that would be in the history books where did it all go wrong <laughs> yes yes indeed indeed the managers is going to be over two episodes top players will be over two episodes one that I'm really looking forward to is the players easily forgotten and there's plenty of them. Yeah. And then we've got off the field characters. That'll be two parts. And you, I'm sure, John, you can think of 
the folk that we'll be featuring there. And well, the, <laughs> present, present company included, perhaps. Yeah, I'm like very much. Popuri, which is just a, a mishmash of just stories that we've been involved in. So if you want to listen to the two of us talking rubbish for 45 minutes a time, then uh, Red Rewind. And of course, Red Rewind's uh, series one and two are still available to listen to on any podcast platforms. Okay, so uh, Red Red Rewind, the first two seasons were, were all guests, weren't they? The first two yeah, seasons? Yeah, yes. Four, 14 episodes. <laughs> and, and now none of them want to come back. No, no, we've got <laughs> series four will be back to oh, the series one okay. and two. All right, good, yeah. I'm glad. I was only joking. This was but, joking. To, to be honest, I mean, uh, people have said to, to both of us at times, you know, you should write a book about the stories. Um, yeah. And we thought, no, there's no way we're writing a book because then you've committed yourself to, to black and white. <laughs> probably, there's good, yeah, there's probably more damages uh, liable to crop up then. But we, we did think, you know, let, let's just talk about the, the times because we do have stories um, uh, about, you know, the good times, the bad times, but the characters and the friendships that you have created um, throughout football. And talking of friendships, one guy who is a friend to both of us, Michael Devlin, absolutely delighted to see that Michael has yeah. got a short-term deal at Hibs through to the end of the season because if there's anybody that deserves to have Lady Luck shine on him, it's Michael Devlin, a lovely, lovely guy, good football player, very good football player, but dogged by injuries um, for so long. In his time at Pataudry, he went down to Fleetwood where he, he linked up with Scott Brown once again, got a few games, but the injury hoodoo struck once again. I think he was at Burton Albion training, desperately trying to get back into the game. And it's a massive credit to Michael that, you know, he's... His mental fortitude, as much as his physical strength, has has gotten back to, to where he is now. So we wish him every good fortune. Although it's another one that could come back to haunt us. Well, you you, you hope he doesn't. I'm, I'm just looking to see when it is that Hibs are due to play us again. Well, we've played them three times. So unless we both finish top six or bottom six together, I probably won't see Michael at Pataudry or, or wherever, but um, if he is listening, very best of luck to you, mate. You thoroughly deserve it. I notice he's uh, he's back in the in, in the Mikey realm again, as opposed to Michael now in the papers. Yeah, well, we're we're gentlemen. We call him for his mum calls him, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that is pretty much it for episode sixty nine of Pataudry PS. We aim to publish every week on a Tuesday if we can. Always looking back to the Don's previous fixtures. And ahead to the next. Please remember to follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you could rate and review us, tell us what you think of the show as well. We'd be very grateful. Thanks for checking out Petodry PS. We'll see you next time.